25. That is the number of people who have gone missing at the park since the beginning of the year, with nothing being done or said about it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'll lose my job when they find this posting. But I have other things to be scared of at this point, and this needs to get out. I'm a wilderness ranger at Mont Rainier. My job is to walk the hundreds of miles of trail and wilderness in the park, looking for problems and helping lost and injured hikers. In the old days, any lost hiker would mean all of us going out together, putting together a search plan, and doing our best to get them home safely. Things are different today, ever since the start of 2022. Whenever a person gets reported as missing the family, is assured we are on it and will do our best to find them and promise that they will dispatch us to look. As soon as the family is gone, our bosses tell us that they'll have a search and rescue company take over, and if we know what's best for our jobs, we should just focus on checking trail conditions and doing the rest of our jobs. And so it's gone on since 2022. At first, there were just a few people missing here and there all over the park. It didn't seem that unusual other than our rangers not being involved in the search, but we figured it was some new policy and shrugged it off. More people started disappearing as the year went on, making all of us wonder what was going on and why it had been made clear to us we should keep our mouths shut. Personally, I figured it was just a combination of bad trail conditions from a rough winter, an influx of inexperienced hikers, and the Park Service trying to avoid looking bad when we needed more funding until last Thursday. It was an overcast day, and I was walking along the trail up to Ipsut Pass in the Carbon River area, humming quietly to myself to pass the time, and wondering how far up I would go before I had to put on crampons. When I saw it, off to the side of the trail, maybe fifty eft into the forest, there was an odd light on the forest floor. At first, I thought the light was just a reflection off of water or some trash someone had left, but as I moved closer, the light didn't fade or change. It just stayed steady. Maybe it was a lost flashlight. I had walked this trail dozens of times and never noticed it before. I knelt down, taking my pack off, and saw that the light seemed to be coming from just under the dirt. For some reason, I felt uneasy. I looked around to see if anyone else was nearby on the trail and saw no one. Shrugging, I reached into the dirt to poke at the light and see what it was. Poking around, I found the corner of a slightly open trapdoor that was at most only a foot wide on each side. It was camouflaged nearly perfectly. If it had not been left just barely ajar with the light exposed, there is no way anyone would have seen it from the trail. I kept opening it, feeling uneasy, but hoping it was some sort of buried seismometer, or at worst, Maybe some hiker's idea of a good place to cache food and water for a long trek. Instead, I found the opening to what appeared to be a small burrow of sorts with an electric camping torch at the corner. I shoved my head down to look inside. The space was small, with enough room for one person if they didn't mind contorting themselves. On the walls of the burrow were dozens of Polaroid photos of people hiking. All of the photos seemed to have been taken very low to the ground. The photos were from all over the park, many dozens or more miles apart. Most of the photos I didn't recognize, but among them I saw a few that I knew for a fact 
were hikers that had gone missing over the last year. Then my heart stopped. I saw a photo of me hiking along the Ipsat Pass Trail around a half hour ago. Crack. I heard a twig snap somewhere around me. I took my head out of the burrow and started running down the trail the way I came. I didn't look back or stop until I got to the wilderness cabin near Ipsut Campground. I locked and barricaded the door and waited until another ranger showed up the next morning. Not sleeping a wink, I asked him to walk back along the Ipsat Pass Trail with me. He was annoyed that I wouldn't say why, but I agreed. We spent an hour looking but couldn't find any sign of the burrow. I asked for some time off right afterwards, and my manager seemed very suspicious and demanded to know why. I made up some excuse about my family and didn't tell him or anyone else what I saw. For some reason, I knew that telling them would at best end with me losing my job. I don't know who or what made that burrow, but I think it's taking people at Rainier. And for some reason, the government is covering it up. I wish that was the end of the story. But it's not. This afternoon, I saw something glinting from within the air vent on the floor of my kitchen. I thought maybe my cat had stuck another toy in it. I took the grating off the vent to take the toy out. Instead of a cat toy, I found a Polaroid photo, taken low to the ground, of me making breakfast this morning. I never thought my role as a park ranger would lead me to encounter such unfathomable horrors. It all began on an ordinary day in Yosemite National Park when I stumbled upon a serene and seemingly harmless lake nestled deep within the wilderness. The water was pristine, reflecting the surrounding landscape with an almost ethereal beauty. Little did I know that this lake held a sinister secret, one that would unleash a nightmarish struggle for survival. Curiosity got the better of me, and I gazed into the lake's reflective surface, hoping to catch a glimpse of the park's natural wonders. But what I saw instead chilled me to the bone. The reflection that stared back at me was not my own. It was an image of my deepest fear, the fear of losing my loved ones to some unexplainable tragedy. Shaken by this encounter, I shared my discovery with my fellow rangers. We were a tight-knit group, always ready to support one another in the face of challenges. But as more rangers visited the lake, it became evident that this seemingly innocent body of water held a malevolence that defied explanation. Each ranger saw a reflection that preyed upon their innermost fears and regrets. Some saw past traumas, others their worst mistakes, and a few were confronted with the haunting memories of lost loved ones. The lake fed off our vulnerabilities, growing stronger with every soul it ensnared. As we grappled with our psychological demons, paranoia took hold of the group. Trust waned, and the park that had once been a sanctuary became a battleground of fear and despair. Some rangers began to withdraw, avoiding the lake at all costs, while others seemed drawn to it, unable to resist the hypnotic allure of their own reflection. It became clear that the lake's malevolence was not confined to mere reflections. It had a presence, an insidious force that seemed to seep into our minds, manipulating our thoughts and emotions. We fought to retain our sanity, but with each passing day, the struggle intensified and our grip on reality slipped further away. 
As the lake's power grew, so did its thirst for more fear. It began to manifest eerie apparitions, mirroring our deepest nightmares. Phantom figures roamed the park, tormenting us with haunting whispers and chilling laughter. With communication among the rangers breaking down, I found myself isolated and vulnerable. I knew that succumbing to the lake's malevolence would mean my demise, but escaping its clutches seemed an impossible task. Driven by desperation, I delved into the park's history, hoping to find clues about the lake's origin and any means to break its hold. The deeper I dug, the more I discovered about an ancient legend that spoke of a malevolent entity that spoke of a malevolent entity that fed on fear and regret. According to the legend, a dark ritual was once performed near the lake which inadvertently unleashed this malevolent force. It had lain dormant for centuries, waiting for unsuspecting souls to wander into its domain so it could feed off their fears and regrets. Armed with this knowledge, I gathered the remaining rangers and shared the grim truth. We knew we had to break the cycle to face our deepest fears head, on and deny the lake the sustenance it craved. But with the entity's influence creeping into our minds, it was an uphill battle. With courage bolstered by our camaraderie, we faced the lake together. The reflections grew more intense, the apparitions more malevolent, but we refused to back down. It was a grueling mental battle as we confronted our innermost demons with unwavering determination. In the end, it was our bond as rangers and as friends that proved to be our salvation. We drew strength from each other, supporting one another through the darkest of moments. The lake's malevolence finally waned, unable to feed off the fear we had defied. As the sun rose over Yosemite, the malevolent presence dissipated and the lake returned to its tranquil state. The park, once engulfed in darkness, was bathed in the warm light of a new day. We rangers emerged from the ordeal, forever changed, our souls scarred by the nightmarish struggle we had endured. The lake's malevolence had been quelled, but its existence would forever serve as a haunting reminder that even in the most serene places, evil can lurk, ready to prey on our vulnerabilities. Together, we vowed to protect the park and its visitors, vigilant against any sign of malevolence that might threaten our sanctuary. And as we patrolled the wilderness, we knew that the bond we shared was the key to surviving the shadows that lurked in the darkest corners of our own mind. The solitude that comes with living in a national park can be both intoxicating and haunting. I spent three months as the sole human inhabitant in one, a seemingly endless expanse of nature that was both my home and my sanctuary. The experience was mostly peaceful, the silence broken only by the sounds of the wind, the trees, and the occasional wildlife. But there was something else that often punctuated the quiet. Music. It was a melody as soft and tinkling as a music box, or perhaps a distant ice cream truck on a hot summer day. The peculiar thing was, it always seemed to echo from somewhere above me, a melody floating on the breeze an auditory illusion that was both fascinating and slightly unsettling. One day, driven by curiosity, I decided to track the source of the enigmatic music. I followed the dirt road that wound past my humble trailer, guided only by the elusive, ethereal melody 
that continued to waft through the trees. But as I ventured further, it was difficult to gauge if I was getting closer or if the source was just as elusive as before. My eyes were fixed on the treetops, straining to locate the origin of the strange sounds when my gaze was drawn downward. A snake lay stretched out in the path ahead. I stumbled backward in surprise, but the creature made no move. It took me a moment to understand why. The snake was dead. My heart pounded in my chest as I looked around and saw that the snake wasn't alone. Half a dozen dead copperheads lay strewn across the road, their lifeless bodies all aligned in the same direction. It was as if they had been journeying somewhere, only to be simultaneously struck down. Fear snaked its way up my spine, replacing my curiosity with a primal instinct to retreat. I couldn't bring myself to step over the ominous assembly of deceit serpents. Turning around, I rushed back to my trailer, intent on using my car to navigate past the eerie spectacle. But as I fumbled for my keys, the music abruptly ceased. The ensuing silence was almost deafening, filling the space the melody had previously occupied. The sudden stop seemed to echo the strange unsettling event I had just witnessed. Despite my numerous walks afterward, the music never returned. The only reminders of that day were the silent woods and the memory of the bizarre serpentine gathering on the road. The experience became another secret shared between the park and me, an enigma that underscored the underlying mystery and magic of nature. This started as early as my childhood. I reckon I'm what my religion or community describes as special. I have the ability to see the paranormal. However, I'm taught to be as logical and scientific as possible since young. I often try to explain my special encounters as reflection of light. My eyes are blurry, bad lightnings. So let me tell you a bit more about my vision since young. Often they're not, I see black mist figures. And I can't exactly see their facial expression just a vague human-like body covered with either black or white cloth, and they merely appear for a blink of an eye. However, this one incident had me convinced that truly, whatever I have seen or encountered was not just my imagination. In my Asian community, we tend to stay at our parents till we are married or whenever we are financially stable of affording one. Houses in the Asian community are not cheap at all, so... Being a college undergraduate after working on my thesis till 3 a.m., I decided to call it a night, switch on my nightlights, and get ready for my night reading. Halfway through, a white figure with a distorted face and lenty hair came floating into my room. I definitely had my window closed since I lived in an air-conditioned room. It was staring at me as it made its way to the side of my bed slowly, gently and silently. Fear intertwined my every cells, my body unable to obey my commands. Her bloodshot eyes locked with mine, and abruptly she let out an eerie shriek for a minute or two and disappear into thin air. My parents, upon hearing the shriek, came rushing in as I burst into tears. Till this date, we have no explanation whom it was or what's its purpose. <laughs> 